five, four, three, two, one. Welcome. You have entered the Kai Corso Experience. What's going on, Connie Corso fam? It's your boy, Johnny Doe, coming at you with another installment of the Connie Corso Experience Podcast, the one-stop shop podcast for all your Connie Corso needs. We talk about training. We talk about health. We talk about nutrition. We talk about fitness. We talk about training, behaviors, uh, breed traits, and the overall experience of what it's like to own this magnificent breed of dog known as the Connie Corso. Um, then one disclaimer or five disclaimers, whatever. Um, I'm not a professional trainer. I'm not a professional behaviorist. I'm not a professional nutritionist. I'm not a professional vet. Everything I say on this podcast is my opinion and my opinion only based on my experiences with my beautiful Connie Corso Romulus. Okay. So, um, this podcast, as you know, is geared for the Cane Corso owner. And it's all about the experience of ownership of the Cane Corso. So, um, without further ado, let's get into it. So, um, hope everybody is having a great summer. I'm getting ready to leave town again next week for some more training. I've been busy, 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 but I've been spending lots of time with Romulus. I've been trying to upload some training videos in the morning when we do our little walks. Uh, we've definitely had some ups and downs with some of his training lately, um, but that's the reason I do this podcast is because I'd like to share some of my experience with you. I would like to uh, help you out if maybe you're having some issues. And if you're a new listener, you might be thinking, Johnny, if you say you're not a professional um, or you're not an expert on the breed, why are you doing a freaking podcast? Well, that's a an amazing question, and I'd like to answer it at this time. It's because I have the ability to. End of story. No. Um, so I do like podcasting. Uh, I like talking about my experiences. I like sharing my wisdom. I've had dogs for over 30 years, and the Connie Corso breed has inspired me to do this podcast because it is, it's been so different than every other dog breed that I've had, and I've learned so much. Um, I've had to do a lot of research. I've gone through uh, professional training series. Um, I'm in the process of getting a couple certifications myself for training and behavior, uh, dog behavior stuff, or just general dog behavior, um, and then later advanced uh, behaviorist. But I, I don't. I don't do it because I'm a, a guru or a know-it-all. I do it because I think I can articulate some of the struggles and I think that sometimes um, some of the trainers that I see out there that are professionals, that are fantastic trainers, that sometimes they can't articulate what it's like to own the dog. They only you know, go through a couple training sessions and they're like, here you go. And then you're spending 24-7 with the dog. I spend 24 seven with my dog. I walk him a couple times a day. I come home at lunch, uh, to, to feed him lunch, you know, feed him dinner, you know, do everything with my dog. 
okay? Uh, a, a trainer does specific things when the dog is, is uh, in a training environment, but what do you do with their behavior when you're having dinner, when the kids are around, when people come over, uh, when it's a thunderstorm or firecrackers, all those things. So I like to talk about that stuff, and I think that um, uh, because of Romulus being a, a little bit more reactive and having some issues that I've had to get over, it's kind of made me a subject matter expert on certain aspects of Connie Corso ownership that a lot of people, I just don't see it out there. I see people that have, you know, fantastic bloodline dogs, and those are the dogs that they that they have in their household. And I talk to uh, listeners every single week, if not every day, that tell me about some of their struggles. And I know that there's a lot of people just like me um, that think, am I doing something wrong? Am I a bad person? Is my dog bad? Is, is it a lost cause? And my mission with this podcast is to let you know that I don't care what issues your dog has. I don't care what blind spots you have in your training. You can get it better. You, you can't ever be to the point where you're maybe showing your dog and you're walking in you know, the, the Westminster dog show and they're not being reactive toward anything, that might not be your dog. But we can get it better together than where you're at now and where your dog's at now. I truly believe that. Um, I don't think there's any lost causes, but as long as you are open-minded and as long as you have the will, you're going to be able to be just fine. And that's one of the subjects that I wanted to talk about on this episode. As I was recently speaking with a woman about some dog training stuff, uh, we we're out to dinner, and she was telling me uh, that. Well, let me preface it this way. Remember, way back in some of my early episodes, I said there's a difference between dog people and people who own dogs. Well, this person is a person who owns a dog. She is not a dog person. Self-admittedly, she's not a dog person. But she um, started a conversation with me. She knows that I'm very much in the world of, of dog training and, and I uh, dedicate a large portion of my life to just training my dogs um, and helping other people as well. So she was asking me, or she wasn't asking, I guess. <laughs> she was telling me how her dog's lost cause and it's now an outside dog and it can't be trained. And as soon as I heard that, I knew I'm just one of those people. It's like, I, I can't let this go. I'm going to start asking some questions. And I started asking questions like, well, what makes you say it's an outside dog? Um, and that it can't be trained. She goes, well, because we've, we've had a couple trainers and um, it just doesn't work and blah, blah, blah. And it, she didn't have a Cane Corso. She had, it was some kind of like poodle... Uh, healer mix or something. I can't remember what it is, but it's a dog that has um, a lot of issues of reactedness that I've had in Romulus and I've had in other dogs and I've seen in other dogs. And so the first thing she told me she did was she goes, yeah, I, we dropped him off with the trainer and three weeks later he was worse than when we, you know, when we, uh, before we sent him. And I said, oh, so you did board and train. She goes, well, yeah. Okay, okay, well, that that's the first issue. 
Okay, that's the first problem. So I didn't say that, but I, I was, okay, carry on. And she was telling me stories of how it's, um, would attack another dog in the house anytime she would pet that dog. Okay, if you're a listener of this podcast or you know anything about some of the things that I uh, talk about, you'll you'll recognize the term resource guarding. She said, "Yeah, my this dog it just gets extremely jealous if I talk if I pet another dog." And um, I said, "Well, it doesn't get jealous." And they go, "Well, how do you know?" <laughs> I said, "Well, I don't know your dog, but I do know dogs, and jealousy is a human emotion." Okay, dogs don't get jealous. There's no. Um, let me break it down to you like this. Okay, we all watch Disney movies where the animals are anthropomorphized and we give them uh, human characteristics. I do it. You do it. We unknowingly do it to our pets all the time. I just make a conscious effort to remind myself that this is a dog, and there's no evolutionary reason for a dog to have jealousy. There is an evolutionary reason why they would guard resources or they would want, um, you know, affection from the pack leader uh, that they would want um, if they have trust issues with another pack member. There's a lot of a lot of things um, that instinctually goes on in a dog's brain that has nothing to do with jealousy. Okay, if a dog has a shiny diamond crusted collar at the dog park, your dog's not going to look at that dog and go, I wish I had that. Okay. Dogs don't get jealous. All right. If a dog sees a bone uh, that another dog is chewing on and it's sitting there looking at it going, I want that bone. It's not jealousy. You might interpret it as that. It's, it's something different. Okay. So um, here's a a, a very rough analogy. If you are extremely hungry and I mean like haven't eaten for two days and somebody's eating a sandwich in front of you, you would want that sandwich. And it's not jealousy at that point. It's it's almost like a survival instinct of I I really would like to have that sandwich. And so if they put it down and maybe walked off and you're you're really, really hungry, you might grab it and take a couple bites, but it's not how to jealousy. Okay. Um Dogs can get in that mindset uh, depending on their training, depending on how uh, what type of breed they are and how instinctual um, that they are. If they are really driven by some of those strong uh, primal instincts, um, you're going to have varying degrees of that where dogs say, hey, I need to grab that and I need to guard it because what happens tomorrow if I don't get fed? I need this bone for for my my nourishment. Um, and, and that's what dogs think. Um, or they think, well, I'm the one running the show, so I need to go grab the bone, okay? So there, there's lots of different things that might be going through their head, but it's not a, it's not jealousy, okay? So that's a red flag to me. Why is it a red flag to me? Well, when someone's trying to tell me of why their dog can't be trained, and they know very little about dog behavior, that's an issue. Because then I go, well, there's a reason why your dog, quote unquote, can't be trained. Um, Because this person is not invested. She later told me that she doesn't care. She's not a dog person. She, She has no will to try to fix this dog. 
And you hear me talk about that all the time. If you do not have the will and the determination, I don't care what problems you're having with your dog. It's not going to get any better if you can't fix yourself to be able to fix your dog. And so there was one story in particular, and this is kind of the point that I'm trying to get at. There's one story in particular that she was telling me about her dog clearly resource guarding its food. And she was saying how it's snapped at her kids, it's snapped at other dogs with its food. And I said, are you the one that, you know, like takes care of the dog and all that, like you're running the show in the house? She's like, oh yeah. And I go, okay, has it done that to you? She goes, yeah, it did it once and then I punched it in the head. Okay. So let's unpack that statement. One, the dog is resource guarding, clearly. Two, the dog has absolutely no respect for her as the pack leader. You hear the word alpha, people say alpha. It gets over, people overuse that terminology, okay? Um, It's better to say pack leader um, just because... I don't want to get into the nuance. You can say alpha. You can say whatever you want. But it's just know that, you know, we're talking about the pack leader, the person that's kind of running the show. Um, not only did the dog not see her as that, but clearly before, I'm, I'm assuming, and definitely after the punch to the head, that dog has no trust. And if that dog doesn't trust, then they're not going to have any loyalty. And trust and loyalty are the two biggest components of dog training. If you do not have trust of your canine, they are not going to show you any loyalty. And without loyalty, they're not going to see you as the leader. They're going to see themselves as maybe a lone wolf type scenario, an outcast, not part of the pack. Um or maybe you not being part of the pack. Regardless of what it is, you lost in ever being able to try try to train that dog. You can't just run up to some random dog and start yelling at it and think it's going to listen to you. It might be afraid of you. It might be petrified of you. It might submit to you because of, of those things, but it's not listening to you. And thinking that you can communicate with a dog by animal abuse, because that's what it is. Make no mistake. And I know because I've walked this line before in my 30 plus years of, of being around dogs. And a lot of people have. Because we've all had those dogs that... Um, especially if you've ever had a rescue or something where before you've earned their trust and they might snap at you or something and your reaction is to sometimes be aggressive back, right? But make no mistake, animal abuse is punching a dog in the head. There's ways that you can correct the dog. There's ways that you can use physical corrections. Punching a dog in the head is never acceptable. And if you, once she said that, I disengaged from the conversation. Why? Because there's nothing I can say that will help this person. They're a lost cause. Because they do not respect animals. 
they think animals are beneath them in the sense of um, that they would do something like that. That person, you know, the best thing for that dog is probably that she disconnected and just it's an outside dog. And oh, we and she goes, we give it a you know warm place to sleep in the winter and don't worry and blah blah. blah. I was like, okay, well, you know, that is probably the best case scenario for that dog in this family. It's a miserable life, but it's a lot better than getting punched in the head and being reactive toward everybody in the house because you have no trust. At least if it's out on its own, and you know, with the horses and everything else, because she lives out in the out in the country and has a whole bunch of acreage, at least the dog can just be a dog. It's going to be completely untrained to the point of being feral, um, because if it's not around people at all, other dogs, no rules, no structure. Make no mistake, your dog will revert back to more primal instincts. That's why discipline and structure is so important. And so I thought to myself, I need to mention this on the podcast because there might be some confusion out there when you're dealing with especially a large breed dog like a Connie Corso that might you know, be reactive. Romulus has snapped at me before. He has snapped at me. Uh, he's one of those dogs that if he's wounded or he's in pain, maybe he didn't feel good, um, or if I'm trying to get a muzzle on him or he feels trapped like he's locked in a room or you know uh, in, at the vet or whatever, um, he can get defensive and he can snap. Now, there's a difference between a dog snapping at you and actually trying to hurt you. You'll, you'll know the difference, okay? And so I know the difference. So I know one is a fear response because dogs don't have hands. They only have mouths. So some people take it very personal when a dog snaps at them, but that's how a dog communicates. When a dog loves on you and is playing with you, it's mouthing you, it's licking you. Um, when a dog is being aggressive, it can do the exact same thing, but make no mistake, it can't punch you, it can't kick you. It's not a horse, okay? It's not going to kick you. It can only bite. So you have to understand why is it biting? Why is it growling? Why is it getting doing this behavior? Even if you're not asking why, then you might be in over your head and you might be, you might not be meant for the, the world of, of dog ownership. Because if your instant knee-jerk reaction is to kick, punch, hit, strike, damage your dog in some way, mentally or physically, then you're, you're not in the right headspace. And with a Connie Corso, it is so detrimental because if that dog loses trust, you are good and effed, <laughs> okay? You're screwed. Because trust is so important to the, this breed. And you don't want to monkey with that. Dogs are supremely loyal when they trust. When a dog is protecting you, it's out of loyalty. Okay? When a dog truly protects you. I'm not talking about resource guarding. Like when you have a reactive dog like mine and when he was untrained and he's barking at somebody that comes close, it's it's because he's he thinks he needs to protect me from a resource standpoint, not because of loyalty. 
And, you know, you can get in a pissing contest and, and get into semantics, but hear me out, okay? Loyalty is is a big driving factor of why your dog reacts a certain way when he sees you, when you leave and they get sad or depressed or down or whatever uh, adjective that you want to use. Um, loyalty is the reason why it, uh, it can be trained and it will listen to your commands and it will um, be disappointed in itself if it, if it doesn't understand. It's the reason why it gets happy when it pleases you. Loyalty is such a driving factor in your relationship with your Kanye Corso. And so this person didn't care about it or what they thought is, I'm going to send my dog away with a stranger for three weeks where, I hate to say it, but most board and trained places, your dog's in the kennel most of the time. And if your dog already has some issues, that's only going to make it worse. Do not board and train a Connie Corso. Okay? I'm just telling you. I'm not saying that there, there's going to be somebody, and there always is, that's going to be in my DMs, it's going to be like, let board and train my Connie Corso, and it, blah, blah. okay, you got lucky. Okay? There's people that uh, has have skydived and their parachute didn't open it, and they lived. I wouldn't recommend it. Okay, just because there's you're the exception to the rule doesn't mean that that sh- practice should be something that's recommended, and it's not recommended for uh, a lot of different reasons. But especially if your dog is already having issues, you have three weeks of it working with someone other than you. How can you develop that trust? Because that trust is so integral in the process of training a Connie Corso, and and many other breeds but especially uh, Cane Corsos. So if this person was having a dog that was having trust issues, was no uh, had no loyalty to anyone in the house, and then you send it away, and it's not around you for three weeks, and it's sitting in a kennel, and it doesn't know if it's being punished. It doesn't know. It has. It's confused. It might be scared. It might actually be uh, reinforcing negative things. Kind of. It, it, it might be reinforcing in the wrong direction. And then it comes back, and it's going to be worse. Because let's say it 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 complies with this trainer. There's dogs that comply out of fear. They comply out of. Like I said, you could go bully a dog. Doesn't mean that it's going to be loyal to you. There's, I've seen lots of videos of people, um, quote unquote, training their dog, and they look, they, 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 they work with intimidation. Now you might have heard me, you know, say certain things on this podcast that uh, alludes to me doing the same thing to Romulus, but make no mistake, there's no. Um, there's no intimidation. Um, the, it's it's not a how how do I put this? For instance, if if I walk up to Romulus and I and I tell him to lay down and he doesn't want to listen and I get and I stand up, make myself big and lower my voice and walk right up to him. Make no mistake, I'm trying to physically be imposing, i.e., intimidation. 
But that is after I have established many, many months and years of training, trust, and loyalty. Okay? So just like with your kids, if let's say you adopt a kid, day one, you think that you're going to spank it or you think you're going to talk, you know, in a deep voice and puff up your chest, you might have just damaged your relationship with that child. But if you've nurtured that child, you've you've uh, taught it and raised it and, and instilled certain values and went through lots of uh, good times and bad times and 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 establish parameters and ground rules and and all that stuff there might come a point where you have to raise your voice there might come a point where you stand up and you point at him and say you don't talk to me like that go to your room and that is you cashing in some of that trust equity to say i mean business but i'm not going to go so far where you're not going to trust me the next day maybe maybe it fractures it for like 30 minutes but it's it, at the at the end of the day, you're going to realize why I did it, and I, and it's nothing's fractured. It's the same way with your dog. If you overuse uh, corrective action, especially with the Connie Corso, um, certain punitive actions, and especially physical correction, you better use that very very liberally because uh, or conservatively because if if you are um, if you overuse that. If you are a little too quick to, uh, like you see people smack them on the butt or, you know, use a choker or, or you know, God forbid, you know, people push them down or physically hurt your dog. Here's the thing. Uh, when you correct your dog, when it's physical, it should never be to hurt the dog. It's to snap their brain out of whatever they're doing. And no matter if that's a mouth bite when they're a puppy, like you you make a like claw with your hand and you grip their their snout because their snouts are very sensitive and that's what the mother dog does to correct another dog. Connie Corsos do it all the time. You'll see them you know, bite snouts of other dogs. You don't do that to hurt them. You do that to to kind of shock the brain to let it know that, oh, it, it will understand what that means. It doesn't always understand if you smack its butt because in the dog world, they don't get their, their butts smacked. So you make a claw and you might make a little bite mark at the back of their neck, okay? You make a bite mark uh, or a bite um, grip on their nose or even uh, on on their hindquarters because you'll see dogs nip at each other's hindquarters. You do something like that to get their attention. You don't do it as uh, to hurt them, okay? That's what I'm saying. And so if your dog's not listening then you might have to use some kind of corrective action. But make no mistake, you did it wrong if you hurt your dog. No matter if you're talking about an e-collar, a choker, a prong collar, whatever thing that you're using, never, 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 never hurt your dog. Okay? Because you can only do that so many times before your dog, if, if your dog has some kind of fear towards you, remember what I've said before, most dogs will bite out of fear before they bite out of aggression. And you might think you have a sweet dog and you push it. If they feel like that they are in a no-win situation and you're just going to be bullying them, sooner or later, that fight or flight 
is going to pop off and they're going to run away from you. And if they're cornered, they're going to fight you. That's every dog. And you maybe can intimidate your dog for a little while. I'm telling you, you are, (laughs) you'll never get the results that you're wanting unless you're just a bully and you just want to control a dog and you just, those, if, if that's you, go ahead and just hit pause on your, um, iTunes. Um, then go up to my podcast and hit unsubscribe and then delete all of these and please never listen to me again. Because I don't want those type of listeners. I don't want to even know those people. Okay? Because those are different type of people. Animal abuse is is something that um, it it bothers me. Oh, probably <laughs> this sounds bad, but you know, I I know a lot of people that have been abused. But man, dogs for whatever reason that really gets to me. And um. This person that I was talking to doesn't even realize that she's an abuser, nor does she care because, especially where I'm at in Wyoming, people have a different relationship with animals sometimes. They see them as, um, you know, like horses, like I use them to work, or cattle, that's going to be food one day, or pigs, or whatever else. And I understand that. And I understand some, there are a lot of times their dogs like herding dogs or working dogs, and I, I know plenty of people when their dog gets sick, they shoot it and go get another dog. Or if it gets hurt, they shoot it. They never take it to the vet. I've spent thousands of dollars at the vet. And people, I've had people go, well, I would have just took it out back and shot it. I understand there's people like that. That's not what, I don't, I don't connect with those people and I don't need them listening to this podcast. That's something different. That's a person that owns a dog, not a dog person. So if you are just someone that has a dog and it happens to be a Connie Corso, you're going to have a different experience than someone that is a dog person that is, uh, well, if you're a dog person, that's kind of why you listen to this podcast, I would think, is because you want to get the most out of your uh, ownership experience. So... When you encounter those people, you might get to the same brick wall that I did and you just realize, I can't help this person. You cannot help somebody who doesn't want to be helped and they don't see they're doing anything wrong. And so it was a shame. It was very sad because I was thinking to myself, all the issues that she was talking about, I promise I could correct 70% of them with probably no more than working with that dog a half hour a day for two weeks with her, obviously, and her family. But obviously she didn't want that because that's too much like work and she didn't care enough about the dog. Well, so be it. So just understand that, okay? And I'm not trying to talk down to anybody that, uh, you know, or imply that I would have listeners act like that, but sometimes people... They, they don't understand when they're crossing that line. A dog snaps at you. There's things you should do. There's corrective actions you should do. Punching it in the head, it's only going to make it worse. I'm telling you. Okay? If your kid slaps you, a lot of people go, I'll slap my kid right back. 
Well, you can only cash that chip in so many times before it's just an abusive relationship on both sides. And I'm not, you know, even going to talk about like spanking your kids or whatever, because that's something different than dogs. You know, we can communicate to our children. We can use our words. We can talk. And so if you're somebody that does that, I mean, I was spanked when I was a kid um, and I don't think I was abused. But with dogs, it's just different. you got to be careful. Because a lot of times you smack them on the butt. Even a smack on the butt isn't abuse. Um, just know that that's not the ideal way because the dog, you know, it's, it might surprise them, but it really doesn't hurt them. I mean, their hides are pretty thick. But just understand why are you doing that? you got to understand the why and understand there might be a better tool than doing that. Because if you hurt your dog, it's, it's hard to walk that back. Okay? So, I just wanted to mention that because I found it, um, I forgot there's people like that in the world. Every time I talk to someone about dog training, I'm always surprised when they don't think of dogs like I do. And they see them as um, accessories to their life and something that can be tossed aside like, oh, my microwave broke, I'll throw it away and go buy a new one. Some people see their dogs like that. I do not. Okay, so on to the next topic. Um, which is Romulus's health or lack thereof. So this morning on our training walk, um, we were doing some uh, place commands on these platforms. If you've seen uh, my Instagram, you've seen videos where I take him to this park and there's these brick platforms that maybe are about two feet high, maybe foot and a half, something like that. And I'll do the place commands and he make him jump up on there. Why? Because he was always scared to do that. And it's something that we use to build confidence. A dog jumping up somewhere um, and uh, or if they're scared to do that, getting to do that builds confidence. If they're scared of the water, getting them to go in the water builds confidence. Anything your dog is scared to do, ride in a car, go to the vet, whatever. If you can get them to do that, then it'll build their confidence, which is a good thing. So we just do that as part of our training where I have him, I say place and he jumps up on the platform. You can watch the video on Instagram. Well, this morning we were doing it and it was after he went swimming in the creek and I don't, I'm assuming it was because he was still wet. And I told him to jump up and he did it once and he came down. And then the second time he slipped and it happened pretty quick. So it was hard to see exactly how he slipped or whatever, but he slipped and he fell um, and he landed weird and he started limping immediately. And we had a long walk back to the car. So we took our time and I walked him back to the car. He never once yelped. He never once, but he was not bearing any weight. He was what we call lame on, on his front. Uh, which one is it? Le- left leg, I think. Uh, yeah, left leg. I had to kind of try to think about that. So he, um, and it was hard to see you know, like where he landed, how he tweaked it. Is it his shoulder? Is it his wrist? Is it his paw? Is it his elbow? Um, I just knew I needed to get him back to the car um, so I can assess him. We took it slow. We took lots of breaks. 
Got him back to the car. I have a ramp to get him into the car so he didn't have to jump or anything. Got him home. And by the time I got him home, um, it was starting to stiffen up on him and he was starting to, to really favor it and, and to the point where he would kind of yelp if he was trying to get up or lay down. He's still like that. Uh, it's, it's Sunday, so vet's closed. Um, and I don't know that I would take him to the vet immediately uh, just because you just want to see how this stuff plays out because you don't want to make it worse when <laughs> it's a dog like Romulus that um, has high phobia for the vet. Um, and I don't want him to try to get away or whatever and, and hurt it worse. So we're kind of playing it by ear and trying to see um, – if, if it's something that we can just keep him off of that leg for a little while, if it's something that's structurally damaged, um, you know, I've been doing the pressure tests and stuff on him, trying to figure out exactly what I think it's like his upper shoulder area. Um, but I digress. So he's a little worse for wear right now, and it, and it kills me. Like, um, he's sleeping right now, but it really... Um, I hate my dog being hurt and, and, and it sucks because Romulus has a lot of health issues in the sense of his joints. Um, he's, he has a lot of joint issues because of his elbow dysplasia and, and he has one rear hip that bothers him too. Um, and it's one of those things that some days he's great and other days he's, you know, he's a little sore. I really, if you're, um, you know, if you are an avid listener, you know, that I have a pretty regimented health regime um, or <laughs> health regimen. Um, regimented health regimen? Okay. That's uh, redundant. Um, I I have a uh, protocol for his nutrition, for his exercise or lack thereof, uh, strength and conditioning, and supplementation. That's what we do to tried to alleviate um his structural issues the best that we can but you know he's never going to be um he's never going to be a dog that can just sit and sprint and chase things and and with impunity and not have to worry about structural things so we we just are careful with him but that's my burden to bear and like i said before it's one of the reasons i do this podcast because I realize dogs like him are outcasts, especially in breed communities like Cane Corsos. Anytime you have a um, breed that has a very um, a very strict pedigree, and people, you know, any kind of dog that is a uh, premium pedigree type breed, um, like you know, bulldogs or certain, you know, poodles or certain, um, rare breeds, uh, you know, they, people can get kind of snooty if your dog isn't perfectly on the breed standard. They, they think somehow that you failed like that dog wouldn't exist in the world without you getting it. Right. And so, um, one of the reasons why I share this stuff and I talk about this on the podcast is because I know that there's people out there that might be in the same boat one day where their dog has some health problems and it's very easy to get um, self-conscious. 
and to think that maybe you did something wrong or, or, oh, if I only would have picked a different dog. And I always think to myself, because I've told the story how I picked out Romulus. I went there for another dog, but I fell in love with Romulus, so we picked him. And I realized that kind of what I was just talking about, that there's people in the world that if they have a dog like Romulus, they just take him out in the back and shoot him. And so I feel extremely blessed that I'm the one who has him because I would never do that. Um, and I still believe that he can have a very good quality of life. We just have to be very deliberate in what we do and what we don't do. Um, and, and, you know, I definitely feel bad that I, of course I feel responsible because he hurt himself today while I was walking him. Um, just like he's hurt himself before when I've been playing with him or something where he, you know, comes up lame because he's running too much or sprinting after a remote control car or playing with other other dogs or whatever. Um, but I just want you guys to know that, you know, Romulus is my best friend. And I would do anything for him. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that he uh, feels better and that we give him whatever things that he needs. And he has a vet appointment in a couple of weeks, but, um, you know, just for regular checkup. And uh, we're, we're, you know, usually when I go, I uh, we do a, a protocol where um, he gets sedated and everything because he hates the vet. But that way we can do scans, blood work, give him all his shots, all that stuff uh, without issue. But I'll... I usually get his hip scanned and his, um, you know, I, I'll spend some money and, and get him all checked out um, so I can see kind of where he's at. Um, a lot of times I do blood work almost every time just as a precaution, just to see, you know, where his enzymes are at, what, uh, I'm just one of those people. Um, if he, if I'm taking him to the vet, I might as well get a lot of, you know, get him checked out, right? But I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that um, if you have a dog that, you know, they have some structural issues and um, you feel bad because you don't think that your dog is, is up, you know, on the same level, I guess, as maybe somebody else's dog. Just understand that this podcast is about one thing, not having, it's not about having the best example of the breed from a structural standpoint. It's about having the best dog that I can have for a pet and for a companion. And I see lots of people on YouTube um, that have Conte Corso channels and stuff, and they have those perfect examples of the breed, no matter if you're talking about behavior, structure, and um, sometimes they can give the impression that um, you're beneath them if you don't have a dog on that level. Not to mention they talk about things that are come a lot easier because their dog genetically doesn't have certain issues. Just know that all your all the behavior stuff with your dog no matter if it's the fear, no matter if it's if they have some reactivity, 
some some things that you think are like dog aggression or people aggression or protective resource guarding. A lot of that ties into their physical well-being as well. Just like if you were really feeling miserable, you would probably snap on people a lot easier. Uh, you would have little tolerance if you're constantly in pain. So it's something to always be aware of. And it's something that is the reason why I study so much. And I and I take such a, um, I have such a vested interest in learning everything I can about not only training and behavior stuff, but, but the breed. And uh, on top of that, know everything I can about my dog. I need to know the dog as well as I know anything in my life so I can really know when something's off. Because if something's off and maybe they're not feeling good, maybe you shouldn't be training that day. Maybe you should be doing something else. Uh, maybe you don't want to overwork your dog. You want to make sure that you give your dog great experiences. And so... If my dog is in pain and he snaps at my other dog or snaps at me, that's not necessarily a reactivity thing. It's just a defensive thing or it could be. And, you know, just so you guys know, I mean, I'm, you know, I mess, I was messing with Romulus and he yelped and stuff, you know, when I was feeling his leg, but he, he didn't nip at me or anything. I'm just saying it's, it can happen if they're in intense pain, then yeah, if you touch something or come near it, they, it's very easy, no matter if you guys are best friends or are not they can they can be reactive toward that just out of a defensive thing just like you might ah you know and accidentally hit somebody or something like that if if you know you had a wound or or something like that so it's just understand that but i wanted to just reiterate to all my listeners out there that how important it is for you guys to just know everything you can about your dog um for those reasons to understand how far to push them when you need to pull back, appreciate what they are and what they're not. Don't try to make them anything to, you know, don't, you're not trying to turn them into, um, someone else's Connie Corso. You're trying to get the most out of them for what personality they have. Um, I'm looking for Romulus to be optimized, not as a kind of Corso, but as what his personality is, I want it optimized. And I want me as a trainer to be optimized, not because I'm trying to make money or trying to be a subject matter expert, because I know it'll give me the best companionship experience with my dog. And that's why I do everything I do. And that's why I, I do this podcast as well for you guys to hopefully come down this path with me and I love it when I have listeners send me videos and pictures of their dog. I mean, I, I really do. Like I have a couple of listeners that sent me videos of their dog playing and one guy sent me a, a, a video of a, of his dog playing with a, like a parrot. <laughs> and as it's, I, I, I not only watch those, but I watch them multiple times. I'll go show my wife. I love seeing happy dogs. I love seeing well-trained dogs um, that are happy in their place in the world with their owners. I love owners that get that great experience with their dog and get that bond because you can't get that with another human being. You can get 
you know, the the love that you have for your kids and your wife and stuff, it might be better. But the love of a dog is different. I'm not saying it's better or worse. I'm saying it's different. And it's a, a fantastic thing to have. And if you've never had it at that level, like for instance, um, I have a motorcycle and when when Romulus hears the motorcycle pulling into the garage because it's pretty loud, um, he, he always runs to the back door. Well, today he was hurt. Like I said, I had him sleeping and I was out riding my motorcycle and I came back and my wife called to me before I even got my helmet off. Come inside, you know, for Rami. He's, you know, yelping and stuff because he was... He was hurt, but he still wanted to run to the door to greet me. And he didn't want to go back to his bed till I came in. And as soon as I helped him back to his bed, all he wanted to do is lay down with me and lick my face and paw at me and stuff. He just, these dogs have so much love and so much loyalty and so much um, companionship to give you guys. And I just want you to, to maximize that as well. So... Um, I just thought I'd share that story with you. Um, you know, it is what it is. Dogs get hurt. That's just part of dog ownership. It's not anything to, you can't avoid it. If you do things with your dog, especially a large breed dog, um, just think of the bigger p- person that you, if you know someone that's 150 pounds versus someone that's 250, it's a lot easier for that 250 person to twist an ankle or whatever else. A lot of times um, when you're manipulating more weight, it's easier to hurt yourself. That's why you see little kids. You don't see little kids snapping their legs and stuff <laughs> because they're, one, they're they're very rubbery. But, um, you know, there's there's not as much weight going around, right? A lot of pressure. So large breed dogs, they're, they're going to get hurt sometimes running around and stuff. So I'm not mad about that. It's just um, the hardest thing about dog ownership um, or a relationship with a dog that's different than a relationship with a person is I cannot ask Romulus what hurts and how bad is it you can't you you have to I had a bulldog once named Rocky and this dog had I mean the mo the highest pain tolerance I've ever seen in a dog I mean I don't think I I heard him yelp I think one time in his entire life this dog had pain tolerance he would hurt himself I think he broke his leg at one point he still walked home and we didn't realize till like a couple days later, he's still limping and stuff, and and um, we took him to the vet, but you know um, we didn't have any scan done because by that time he was kind of healed or whatever, but he still kind of limped every once in a while because somebody, well, I don't want to get into this story, but someone Spartan kicked him off a gazebo. Um, that's a story for another time. If you want to hear that story, uh, leave me a comment on Instagram and I'll tell that story. But you know, this is the Connie Corso experience, not the, uh, old English bulldog experience. So, um, but anyway, this dog, um, you couldn't tell if he was feeling bad. Uh, Romulus, on the other hand, he, he, he's a kind of a tender hearted dog. He yelps a little bit more. My other bulldog, bulldogs in general have just an insane pain tolerance. They just don't yelp a lot. So it's very hard to see. And, and, and figure out if they're in pain or not or if they're not feeling good so um, that's why you just got to get to know your dog and, and just be in tune with all that so that's the hardest thing for me is just not being able to communicate to them hey I'm not going to hurt you I'm here to help you 
and them to communicate back like, hey, this is what hurts and just leave me alone or take me to the vet or whatever, you know? So um, that's the hardest thing. So anyway, I'm kind of rambling on about that. As always, check me out on Instagram, the Connie Corso X, um, or on Facebook, the Connie Corso Experience, or Johnny Doe on Facebook. Send me a friend request um, on Instagram, on uh, or give me a follow, give me a friend request on Facebook. Um, interact, you know. Uh, people ask, how can we support the channel? I don't make money doing this, um, but if you want to grow the uh, the Connie Corso Experience, get it in front of more people. All you got to do is leave me a comment on iTunes, maybe share it with a friend, um, say something good about, uh, about the podcast. And, um, yeah, I'm just trying to get more listeners so we can have a, 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 a community that can communicate more about this breed and learn more about it together and grow, um, in our ownership experience together. It's not just you guys, it's, it's me with you guys doing it as well. So, um, if you want to help, that's the best way and interact with me. I, I, like I said, I love the videos, the pictures. I don't always comment on everything. So it's hard to, to keep up on it, especially like I said, I'm, you know, active duty military. I have more than a full-time job. I do the best that I can. One day I'm going to be out of the military and I'll have a little bit more time to do stuff like this. But in the meantime, um, I do what I can, but don't think I don't read everything or I don't look at the videos and pictures and stuff. I, I love seeing other people's stuff. I mean, I'll spend a, a couple days a week just looking at other people's Instagram that follow me um, just because I want to see what their kind of courses are like or some of them don't even have kind of courses. They just have other dogs. Or, But I like to see what, what uh, you know, the enjoyment that they're getting from their experiences as well. So um, till next time, everybody. Be kind to man's best friend. Peace.